0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: City Act Chronicles is a Bay Chronicles production. Hello, everyone. Welcome along to another episode of Serie A Chronicles with me, Patrick Kendrick, alongside Mina Rizuki and Nikki Bandini. How are we getting on on this wonderful late January Tuesday, everyone?
2: Good. Feels like it's been a real lot happening weekend uh, in in Italian football. It feels like it's been going from pretty serious stuff with uh, the racist abuse of Mike Magnan going into some big results on the pitch, certainly the events win being a big result going into the Supercoppa. And then hours before the Supercoppa learning that Gigi Riva had passed away. It it feels like there's been a lot of, of a lot to keep us busy this weekend.
0: Nikki, you said that with such a depressed tone. I, I feel like now I just kind of want to cry. <laughs> it's such
2: a mix, isn't it? Like it's such a mix this weekend. I, I feel like the um the, the football at times has been really, really fun. Having to write about um, having to write about racist abuse in a Serie A stadium is something that I feel like I've been doing almost since I started covering Serie A. So a decade and a half, more than that now. Um, it feels like every year we have to, to cover this, these stories, and nothing ever gets better, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, and then Gigi Diva, obviously, that's just a, a sad story as well. So. I don't know. At the moment, it feels like maybe the sad outweighs the the, the good, but maybe you guys will swim me around over the
0: course of the podcast. I feel like Patrick got very upset by all of this and he walked out of the house now. So we've <laughs> yes. lost Patrick for a bit. I, I uh, was
2: trying to just sort of carry on thinking, I don't know if it'd be a long interruption, but it's, it looks like Patrick's doorbell has gone <laughs> and he's had to leave our recording.
0: Oh, which I thought was quite funny because whenever I, I hear a doorbell and then I'm like, but I didn't hear Ross barking, so I'm like, so it's not you. So, and, and, and no, Patrick's come back with a package in his hand.
1: It was Amazon delivery.
0: <laughs> not at all dodgy. <laughs> Poor Patrick.
1: Hello, everyone. Sorry about that. I thought we could restart. That's my wife ordering things without my knowledge and then people <laughs> ringing on the doorbell to deliver them while she's out of work in the office. What a bloody night. And now I'm out of breath from dashing up the stairs. <laughs> There's some nonsense beauty products as well.
0: I love that Simon is like nearly on the floor laughing. I feel like his wife. Vera Lab, any good?
1: What a load of nonsense.
0: Right I'm laughing because I guessed what it was. What <laughs> what a wife ordering stuff. No, that just that it was Amazon.
1: <laughs> always. And it's never me ordering as well. And I'm always the one that has to go and pick it.
0: I'll just tell you something. When I look up Vera Lab, yeah, it says uh, face and body cosmetic products with clinically proven effectiveness.
1: Well, absolutely. Yeah, maybe I'll get onto this. I might tear it open and start. Patrick, with you
0: should you should maybe like, yeah, steal it from her. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, so I'll start again and then we can say this is a false start. Perfect. Okay. Bob's going to
0: use all that. Just carry on. Simon loves authenticity, so he, mm-hmm. he likes like things not to, yeah, he likes all the madness that comes with recording. Mm-hmm.
1: After that very rude interruption from my doorbell, <laughs> I've now picked up the uh, precious goods and makeup for my uh, lady wife. But there you go; it's back to the serious matter at hand, which is, of course, Italian football. Mina, I was just about to hear from you, and we didn't get the opportunity because we heard the uh, the doorbell. How are you getting on?
0: Yeah, I had a, I had a. I keep saying a family bereavement, but it's, it's not a family, but basically it's been a lot of that. So I've been watching football either on, on my phone, which is very hard to watch who which it is Like there's some players you can really pick out like Teo on a pitch, right? Or like layout. But then there are some, sometimes if you're watching a game and you're like, wait, who is that? Like, even for example, Juventus, when I was watching this and I thought it was Vlaovic who gave the ball. And then Blaovic was the one who scored. So I was like, who is that? Oh, it's Yildiz.
1: (laughs) He's deceptively tall, Yildiz, actually. yeah. Right? uh, I was really confused. He's winning some flick-ons, but we'll get to him because he's my new uh, favourite player in Serie A. So there we go. I'm jumping on the Yildiz bandwagon. He
0: he is a fantastic player. But, and also it's just like, it's January and I just feel like everything in January is depressing and it just started off with like (laughs) the funeral and now it's like, like rain and, and Nikki didn't start off with her smile. So I'm like a little bit like, now I'm just starting off on an even sadder note than usual. So I'm really glad that your wife ordered some makeup because I kind of feel like that sort of cheered me up. I don't know how to explain, which begs the question, should I start ordering stuff too?
1: Maybe. Shout out to Vera Lab. If you do want to sponsor us, Vera <laughs> Lab, then there is a window of opportunity there. <laughs> but before we get into all of the stuff that we're here to talk about, which is namely Italian football, a quick reminder that you can sign up to our Chronicles Tifosi membership on Patreon with a seven-day free trial. Make sure you join the community chat in the Patreon app. And also, it would be great if you could give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you're listening. It helps us to be found.
0: Tell everyone I'm your favorite, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to park, sadly, we need to park all the, all the jokes about makeup and, and, and things just for, for a little while because there was a another sad day in, um, in Italian football. Well, for a couple of reasons, but we'll start with the ugly side of the game. And we have to address it, of course, because it's serious. But there was a, a racist incident at um, Blue Energy Stadium, as we must now call it, in Udine, where Mike Mignon, the uh, French goalkeeper for Milan, was subjected to racial abuse. He flagged it up to the officials once and then the second time it happened, as per the protocol, he and his teammates went off and the match was suspended, um, Nikki, It feels like Groundhog Day with this. I feel like we're constantly talking about racism in Italy and how to eradicate it in football and, and even racism elsewhere too
2: yeah I mean you could say it's been Groundhog Day for even just individually Mike Manian because he barely arrived in Italy and he had a, a situation where this happened against Juventus and and Juventus identified a fan and 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 gave him a life ban and um and here we are again two years later it happened again I think in in 2022 for Maignan again another game I can't I think off the top of my head which one it was um it, it, it's a, a never-ending story unfortunately um and I suppose what's different this time is that you saw a whole team follow through um I, I've been saying that if, if you want uh, to find the encouraging part of this story I think it's it's how everyone reacted to it because I remember just uh, was it Four years ago, five years ago, with uh, Moise Keen and and Juventus, and when he was racially abused, and Leonardo Bonucci afterwards, almost two sides in it, and saying, "Well, both parties have some responsibility," because he was sort of inferring that Moise Kean had provoked the fans in some way, and because Kean celebrated goal by staring at those fans, acting as if that in some way justified it. Whereas I, I felt like the 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 in terms of addressing these problems, it felt like everyone reacted to it in in the right way, in as much as The referee stopped the game. Milan immediately supported Maignan; his teammates, supported him. They all followed him down into the the changing room. Um, The stadium announcers gave the announcement and warned that if it kept happening, that the match would be abandoned. You didn't see Udinese protest against it or say this shouldn't have happened. That's the the positive, if I want to reach for a positive in it. But it, it doesn't feel like even now, even with that reaction, we're any closer to solving it and stopping this from happening in the future? Because yes, exactly as you just said, Patrick. I've, I've been covering Serie A professionally. Obviously, I'm watching it much longer, but I've been covering it professionally since I joined the Guardian in 2006. And I, I almost well, not almost. I, I know there hasn't been a season in which we haven't had a, a, a story like this. Not necessarily again as visually dramatic, not with players walking off the pitch, but it's it's been a, a repeating situation. Not always the same stadium, not always the same players, but. The fact of the the abuse has never gone away.
1: And how do we feel about this, Mina? Like, is that the right thing to do? To go off, make a statement, then come back on? It's it's pretty hard to dissect in hindsight whether I mean Milan went on to win the game in dramatic circumstances. They they would eventually um, go two one down before coming back to win three two. But is there not an argument to say it would have been a more powerful statement had Milan? walked off and the match had been abandoned and they'd said, we're not going to stand for this. I, I'm i quite torn on this. I feel like Milan had been vindicated in the sense that they made a statement, they came off and then justice was served in a footballing sense in the fact that they went on to win the match. However, I'm thinking in terms of making an even more powerful statement, is there not scope for the club to say, actually, we're not going to put up with this at all we're, we're packing our bags and we're going back to Milan and we will risk any repercussions. And almost then challenging the authorities with a sort of ultimatum and saying, you know what, if you want to give it a 3-0 walkover to Udinese because technically we have we have abandoned the match, then be aware that there's going to be a whole load of PR that goes along with that. Where do you stand on this?
0: Well, I think we do need to review the protocol that everyone has agreed to. So the protocol is the fact of, of, you know, they read out a stadium announcement and then they say they're going to abandon the match and if it continues and all of that business, which was followed on this particular match and was followed by the referee Mareska. But I do think that it's something that we need to start having a look again, because we've seen right now what governments can do when they want to shut you down. Fascism is very real right now. and um, We're seeing it all around the world as to what we can really say and which groups are really protected. So if you really wanted to shut down racism, I, I really feel like we can. And it just needs to be just a little bit more help. There needs to be a little bit more enforcement rather than just leaving it to, and and, and with all due respect, it's almost lucky that it happened at the Blue Energy Stadium because Indonesia have actually the equipment and the technology to, to view videos and to actually take action because they own their own stadium. Had this happened in another stadium that was rented, like we've seen before, then it's much harder to track these people and it's much harder to dish out the kind of punishments that we want. And this is another problem that we have. The bureaucracy that stops us moving into the next, uh, into the next, uh, progressing. Everything in Italy is about relics and tradition, and it's time to move forward and, and be modern. And we understand that if this government wanted to truly shut this down, they can. We we have seen examples of racism, unfortunately, all around Europe. And what bothered me mostly about all of this is. While I applaud Manian for his reaction and, and he was rightly complimented for the way that he handled the matter, why are we now judging players by how they respond? So what if I didn't respond in the right way when I was yes. racially abused? You know, like what, what would happen then? Am I now being judged for my reaction to abuse? Mm-hmm. And this is what I, everyone's like, oh, well, he handled it. So, yes, okay, I understand that. But it was almost too too talked about. And this is what is really annoying, especially, for example, if you watch La Liga, where this happens so often. And Vinny Jr. is always accused, like Moise Ken was when when Nicky's talking about it, for provoking. Because they didn't res- necessarily respond in the same way that Mike Manian did. And Mike Maignan said, oh, I came back, you know, it's my family. And, and I want to play with Milan because we are a family. And they did you know, one, like his teammates were so good at like caressing him and kissing him and and, and supporting him through that. But again, I I don't want to hold people to a set bar on how their reaction should be to racism and what, what we should applaud and shouldn't applaud. Oh, you know, if you take it well, you know, then, then you deserve for us to stand for you. But if you don't take it well, maybe you've started provoking everyone. But this is where I feel like when we talk about bureaucracy and, and moving on from tradition is that we know there is an answer for this. It's that nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to put th- things in place. We have seen very quickly how people have been sacked from jobs over saying s- specific things, you know, but you, you're you still allowed to be rude to certain minorities or or be rude in, in when it comes to racism or when it comes to transgender or when it comes to anything. People are still allowed to say what they want and nobody tries to shut them down. And that is the why a problem that we have right now we pick and choose who we protect and we know that we can resolve this and it's not just said yeah it can't just be it can't just fall on football we need the government in- to intervene
2: I, I think that's that's such an important point I I, I found as I, you said it Mina, I say with the important one then there's a ton of important points I think that, that starting with the, the, the thought that you can't require all players to have the emotional maturity that Mike Mannion did because Mike Mannion handled it extraordinarily and I, I thought everything you said after the game from the sort of immediately and and perhaps more emotional um, interview right after the game to, to what he put out on Twitter which I thought was all really powerful saying look if you were in the you know the fans in the stands who are with those ones doing the abuse just because you weren't doing the abuse you're complicit if you're not speaking out against it at the club you're complicit because you're just saying there was an issue and not saying what it was Precisely. and I think I think some of that gets into the the boring practical stuff, which is logistical, but important, which is something that Italy continues to like far behind on, which is stewarding inside stadiums is often absent or certainly not present in the way that we see in other countries in Europe. Because one of the things that, not that the Premier League is perfect by any stretch, these things have been getting worse in recent years. But what you see in a lot of Premier League stadiums is very visible campaigns where if you don't feel brave enough to confront someone individually, you can text a number, and stewards are going to handle it because they're going to have a seat number, they're going to know where to go and deal with it, and, and that sort of stuff is is not is not um, as easy in a poorly stewarded stadium. Now, as you said, Blue Energy Stadium actually is one of the the more advanced and and modern and in many regards better for dealing with this sort of thing. But that's the logistical side of it. the The side of of how you punish it. To come back to what Patrick said, I. To me, this thing of, because Gianni Fantino raised this, right? The president of FIFA uh, saying, oh, well, the game should be immediately abandoned and awarded as a feat. To me, that's, and people can disagree with me on this. To me, that's not the right answer for it. The answer is not come up with a harsher and harsher punishment because frankly, that sort of level leaves it open to, I think, manipulation to people being cute and and pretending they're sporting one team and and making that sort of mess, fuss. I, I think that that leaves some more mess. The answer is not greater and greater punishment. The answer is consistent application. The answer is it shouldn't take Mike Mannion walking off the pitch for this to be dealt with. It should have taken the first time you heard it at a goal kick and raised it with someone. Someone should have been on it. There should have been stewards going to that section and going, this stops right now and you're going out. It shouldn't get to that point. So it's not punishment, it's application, it's enforcement. And that that's the thing that that I always come back to. But as Mina says, and this is, I thought, really the most fundamental point that's the hardest to address. Football is downwind of culture and all of this stuff is being empowered at a level that goes beyond football right now. And and that's the hardest bit for football to to address.
1: Absolutely. And um, there has been There have been some repercussions to this, that one of the individuals has been identified and has been given a a life ban. And just breaking now news that there will be one match played behind closed doors in Urdine, which again feels like just plastering, papering over the cracks, really. And I'm not sure how much that's going to resolve. And you're absolutely right, both of you, about Mignon reacting in a very lucid way. There's no guarantee of that. We saw it five or six years ago now with Khalidou Koulibaly, who was sent off in a game against Mm -hmm. Inter. But he then came out and said, "I'd been subjected to racist abuse. I was on edge, and therefore that had to, that affected my my game. I, be, you know, I was a little bit more frenetic and frantic and went charging into challenges. And I think there's definitely something to be said for that." You cannot. Calatelli totally engage- kicked a ball at a
2: fan once. Was it a Verona game? And I think on that occasion, the referee initially yeah, that sent in off and that actually revoked it after after speaking to everyone.
0: Lukaku in, in the, against Juventus when that whole thing happened, and then. He got a yellow card, do you remember, for doing this? I mean, however you react is however you want to react. And we don't... we it was sent
1: sit- off, wasn't he? He was yeah. suspended then for the second yeah. leg of that Coppa Italia thing. And, it, and I, I think it was eventually overturned because... By the
0: government, like by the senior people. So you can.
1: Yeah, Fiji Chi got involved, yeah.
0: That's the point is that they can do something about this, you know, and they choose not to. And, or it's not something... Listen, with this whole thing, it's because the ultras weaponize everything. You know that that's the problem that we have with giving like an immediate forfeit, and that's the one thing that's being discussed, or at least or I've seen written in social media, is that you know if we do shut it down and immediately award three nil, it's very easy to have these like like Nikki said, people just come in and then just doing it to make sure that their teams keep losing like the the opposition. So we have to figure out a way of doing this, and that and it, and it does start with better stadiums and better technology to be able to find stuff out. It's not more fascism. I'm not I'm not saying like you know we need to now start like. Watching every single person. That there were suggestions of people actually writing down who they're affiliated to, which club, so that we know if we do do an immediate forfeit that that person belongs to this group. So if it's the whole tested identity for us, or to a capable, etc. Yeah. Yeah, it's not more invasions of privacy. That's the answer to this. It is just moving technology-wise, so that we can able to we are able to spot this, you know, and we are, we are able to move into the next era of this world and football and and understand that it is a business and understand that there is going to be always attacks on the business or and and attacks on the integrity of the sport that must be dealt with. And and I just. And it, it's so frustrating when it's constantly, you know, how some people are spoken to. Where Vinny Junior gets this every day, and nobody really cares because Vinny Junior is as a provocative player, and Manian is seen as a leader. And this is what really annoys me. There's also a difference in age, a difference in position. different These things are never taken into account. An 18-year-old is never going to react the same as a 26-year-old, or, you know, and so on and so forth. And You don't need to react, however you want. You react, however you want to react. So I'm not. I'm not here to police that. And I and I do feel like we often seem to show a lot more sympathy and a lot more conversations when it happens to a higher profile player, a Milan player, for example, than it would be if it was a you know a a different a Salernitana player. And and I'm especially I'm especially surprised that it was in Udine that this would happen because this is a club that is famous for integration, and I and it is famous in. The city as well for being on the borders of Slovenia and Austria and having the most amount of foreigners playing in this particular club. So I'm, I'm the whole thing is so bewildering for me.
1: But that's one supporter who doesn't necessarily rec- represent or reflect the club and the and the region's uh, identity and uh, their values. I, th- I think. As you said, Nikki, I think it's great if there are tangible consequences. I think if there is the zero tolerance approach where you know that if you do subject a player to racist abuse, that immediately someone is going to come by and you're going to be ejected and given a life ban, right. and therefore- Not there afterwards, is, then and there. Yes, then and there. And we also need to get past this culture of omerta, you know, the code of silence, and people need to actually step up and draw the stewards' attention to. I, I, I appreciate what you're saying about, you know, there are ways within the Premier League where you can sort of communicate this without fear of reprisals. But I think we also need to try and make these people into pariahs and, and actually just say, this guy's a disgrace. I don't want to be associated with him. I don't want to stand near him. He is uh, abusing someone. It's reflecting badly on the club as a whole. You know, I think there needs to be more of a collaborative approach to Doesn't actually happen, out though? people.
0: Because I thought that they was like a, somebody had filmed this, realizing that it was obviously like they were making racist remarks. They used that film to try to identify. And from what I understood, the FA, the Italian FA had two people, representatives sent over to, the court, to that side behind the goal to see what was going on after they heard the initial. After Magnan talked to the referee, they sent two um, FA representatives to see what was going on. So I, I did think that something like that was done, which I haven't seen done before. Mm. So correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I had written. Well, that was what was written in Gazetta. So I was, I I don't know, but at least I thought, okay, so finally, at least there's representatives who will then be sent to see what's going on. And they said afterwards, it subsequently stopped happening. And that's why the game continued. But I, I don't now I'm starting to question myself, so I don't know.
1: No, no, I, I think absolutely. I think if that can then become the norm and people are empowered to be able to actually say, this is going on, I don't think it's acceptable. But, you know, how quickly does that communication come about? That's the thing. If someone mm-hmm. needs to film it and then send it or show the footage, you know, whereas if you have more attentive stewards who are actually looking and listening out for this, then maybe they can, that you give you give them the license to be able to say, actually, that's not acceptable. I'm just going to, I'm going to eject you. But I mm-hmm. think it's... Um, it is a topic that we, that we could debate for hours, and we've recently been doing deep dives on a number of issues, so there's, there's definitely scope to talk about this in greater detail um, going forward. I'm, I'm conscious of just how much went on over the course of, of this weekend. And uh, we have a new league leader in Serie A, Mina. Juventus are top of the league.
2: Should we just quickly, before we do that, just talk about the end of that game, though? Because it was actually a great win for Milan. Sorry, I don't want to cut you it off, was, Patrick, abso- but like I abso- just want to move on from it without saying it's a big result because it was.
1: The substitutes doing it again, Nikki. Yeah, Luka Jovic and uh, and Noah Rockefeller back from back from injury.
2: Yeah, but I mean, as a narrative, that the end of the story is great for Milan because they were they were playing well in that game. They were dominating it. Magic is interrupted. They came back. Clearly, focus had shifted a bit. to get on top. And then, yes, the two unloved signings of the summer, Jovic and, and Okafor coming off the bench to, to score goals. Milan have taken 16 points from six games. This sort of, just to remind everyone, in Camp Pioli out, this team is doing really well. Um, and And that sort of whole story of December and we need to sack him right now, to me, just looks very silly at this point.
1: And of all those signings, if you think about it, the ones that have underwhelmed are, are probably the minority as opposed to the majority. I think we could say Eunice Musa is is still the one where the, the jury's out on that. And Samuel Chukwese has obviously been in and out with injuries. A couple of important goals, albeit um, in the Champions League, they didn't count for much with Milan dropping into the Europa League. He is now away with the AFCON. But besides that, if you look at Pulisic, you look at Loftus-Cheek, you look at now Okafor comes in and is taking opportunities. There's, they've certainly recruited well, haven't they?
0: Yeah, and even Luka Jovic, who was brought in in the last day of the transfer market and had only given a one-year contract, he's now scoring um, goals more often than I would have ever imagined. Um, I believe it's every 117 minutes from you know all the minutes that he had. But ever since he started scoring, it's a lot more frequent than that. So he's certainly found his, his scoring boots. But I also think that I, I do a little bit find it ridiculous in Italy how we have such highs and such lows that there's become no ability to really sort of properly analyze things in a, in a calm manner and I, and of course I understand that because football is full of hyperboles but I, I sort of went from crisis and Pioli must be sack to they are in the title race and if one of them just drops <laughs> a point then Milan's going to win it and I'm like what? <laughs> like, I, I Honestly it was all about how Pioli is in the title race with Milan and I was like title race if you do years you, you were worried they were going to be in the relegations points. And now you're talking about how, like, you know, the end of a cycle and this is a disaster and they're out of the Champions League and they're out of the Coppa Italia and what is this? And, and the pressure of both of these, Roma and Milan, going into that match because, you know, p- both of these coaches were under pressure and what was this going to mean to them? To one week later, they're back in the title race and maybe can overcome <laughs> Inter. I, I, I do I do find this, like, then the, the nightmare, the paradise hell sort of, like... Madness of it all is is a little bit crazy, and now it's like, oh, and look at purely's tactics in Roma. Look how he understands the team. Look at look at the emergence of Gabier at the back, and and how important he was, and and you know, like you know, explain. I I do find this really ridiculous, but I just, I sort of, you know, I've always been in Pioli's camp. I'm a big fan of Pioli. I sort of get really upset when people don't like him. To me, he's almost as much as, I love him as much as I almost love Allegri, you know? Um, And I, and I do feel that he has made his mistakes. And I think that's important to note, but I also think people having expected Milan to start off so beautifully with a, with an entirely different management, a new ownership, you know, 10 new players that he had to integrate, an entire new midfield because Ben Acer was injured, Tonali had left, and they were already reeling last year from the absence of Frank Kessier. I, I do feel like people just don't recognize the importance of, of things like that anymore, of how, you know, continuity matters and how it's hard to find that again. And when you look at where Milan now have more points than Inter had last season at the stage of the, of the season, and nobody recognizes they actually have more points than when inter who reached the champions league final who are referred to as the best club in italy and and the best club nearly in europe and milan has more points at this point with everything that they've been through than what inter managed last year when they were in second place behind napoli and i think that's and they have seven more points at this stage than they had last year at this stage and i and i don't feel like this is getting recognized that despite all the changes, despite losing Maldini and Masara and Tonali and and Ibrahimović or whatever you want, they've got him back now. But all of these changes, it is remarkable to me that they have found their feet. And maybe it won't last, but even if it doesn't, I understand it. I genuinely understand it. And I don't think that that's respected by the media. It's constant up, down, sacked, not sacked. And we have to try to change this somehow. I don't know.
1: There's only one team that can win the league every season. I think you're absolutely right. And Milan are having a good season. And I think if you consider they won seven of their first eight matches, the problem was the one that they lost was a 5-1 defeat in the derby. And I think too often we look at Pioli through the prism of his record in the derbies. Too often, I think he won that Scudetto. So then expectations were further raised and he's not been able to, to repeat it. But this is a coach who will again guide Milan into the top four. I think there's no doubts about that anymore. And... Maybe, just maybe, if Juventus were to drop points at home to Empoli, which looks which would appear surprising, and if Inter were to, to lose at, at Fiorentina this coming weekend, and then if they draw against each other in the Derby d'Italia, you couple that with a couple of Milan wins, suddenly they're right back in it. But I think a lot of things would have to come to pass. If it were just one team ahead of Milan, I think you could probably say <laughs> they might still be able to work their way into the title race. I think to try and get above two, particularly with Juventus... The copper Italian And then the Europa League. Just one match a, a week. Absolutely. They're still going mm-hmm. to come up against Rennes as well in the Europa League. That will soon come around next month. So Milan with another win. As you said, Nikki, they've recently been very really. good. No, absolutely. I think <laughs> it was. Um, you're absolutely right. I was, I was conscious of um,
2: time. I think I was time.
1: sort of doing. The, I think I was doing the opposite of um, Gabriele Cioffi, who only wanted to speak about football. And then you forget that by speaking about racism, there's still a football match that was there. And yeah. Milan showed great character to actually bounce back from from that abhorrent incident to then go on and, and win the game. And another team that won was Juventus. Back to back three 0 wins. Back to back Vlahovic braces. Two victories by the same scoreline in the space of five days. Sassuolo at home, Lecce away, no real jeopardy again. Never really looked like conceding in either match. Never, re- Despite an underwhelming first half at the Via del Mare, they got the job done. Operazione Sorpasso, as it is being called, Operation Leapfrog, mission accomplished. And uh, suddenly, if they beat Empoli this coming weekend, they'll go four points clear at the top, ahead of Inter's game away at Fiorentina. And even if Inter win that, they would then start the Derby d'Italia, in second spot. There's a psychological element to this, isn't there? Especially, And that's actually something that one of our our, uh, patrons has touched upon. We've got Giancarlo Anese who says, whose mentality do you think Juventus provisionally taking first helps more, Inter or Juventus? Is it better for Inter to be chasing or fending Juventus off? And for Juventus, which do you think it was better? So we're talking about the uh, What is it? It's the uh, the cops and the robbers, isn't it? It's the <laughs> ladri and the guardia that uh, Allegri's. We've had all sorts of bizarre mixed metaphors, haven't we? We've had Inter have been the hair dashing away. That was Marotta. Then we've had the cops and the robbers. We've had the, the horse with the blinkers on. Um, it's all getting a little bit muddled with the metaphors. I don't know who's doing what to whom anymore.